Yeah, so, okay, I haven't listened to last week's episode yet. It is still in my queue. It's been uh, Christmas, busy, all that kind of stuff. Um, but do we still want to talk about Vapor? Because I noticed that it's in the show notes. So, apparently, you don't have time to listen to the, the episode, but yes. you have time for, for backend projects. Yes, yes, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but I kind of regret not having <laughs> listened to the episode, because I know you spoke about it. Okay, so I've had two free days since, like, the 14th of December. Um, one of them, I don't remember how I used them used it and the other i used all day i spent like 10 it was really bad it was like i slept in and then spent 10 hours pretty much continuously what is can i ask what sleeping in for you is um this particular day was probably like eight this morning i slept <laughs> until nine because i didn't get home till oh, one i would love um, to be able that's to a, get up like excessive it. it's holidays at the moment i'm like really yeah it's like <laughs> not getting up before eight madness yeah what a slacker mm. yeah <laughs> yes i know um Okay. Anyway, and then- jokes aside. But yeah, no, I, so I, I just spent this day like smashing out um, a vapor project because I thought I'd give it a go. All right. um, so I need, I, I need a server for some stuff I'm doing for Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very simple. It basically, so like all of the data that I'm, the API that I'm using for Petty, like the app hits the New South Wales government API directly. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there is, like some data that I need, like trends kind of analysis that I need that isn't part of the API. So I kind of need a backend that is polling the API every so often and uh, like saving the relevant data and then serving that back out mm-hmm. in an API that mm-hmm. I'm building. So that's kind of what I'm building. And so it doesn't need to be like, there's not really much complexity to it. Like it's writing, I have like two databases, it's writing some data to them and then just like, returning them when mm-hmm. the network is hit. It's really, like, it's really simple, but I was able to do that in Vapor in a day, which was pretty cool. It's not um, bad, right? Like, getting started yeah, no, is really Yeah, no, it's not quick. bad at all. Mm. And I'm sure, like, the like the code isn't great, but, like, hey, it works, and it's going to be good enough, and I'm sure something's going to break eventually, and I'm going to learn from it. But <laughs> it's probably the best way to to do these kind of things. Because, like, I know we've spoken about it before, but I'm that kind of person who learns from doing and mm-hmm. learns... Mm-hmm. Like, I will learn when something breaks as well. Like, it, I'm not going to spend a week researching everything and then understanding it perfectly theoretically before going mm-hmm. into building it. Um, so, I've probably built something that's not great, but, like, it works and I've been using it myself for the last few days. And the API is pretty solid. Mm. Um, and so it's also nice, right? Because promising. now, no matter what, you have a point where something works and you can iterate based on that mm-hmm. rather than having to learn this entire new framework, this entirely different language, and then potentially s- certain issues you don't even know why they're happening and it's a lot more frustrating and having mm. something that works quickly and then you know if if you want to optimize your queries or optimize some some of the code you can do that iterative from from this point on which i think yeah but al- also things like tooling i found to be very convenient because with like you can just continue using xcode like you always like you do for your ios mm. project and it's so much exactly, faster yeah. to build and run compared to an actual app yeah did you use vapor 3 or 4 uh, three. Okay. Like the public. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, cause I've built a backend with no JS mm-hmm. before for mm-hmm. uni and it feels very similar, uh, as in like in both cases, I didn't really feel like I knew what I was, I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but like, it's like, Hey, things work and I'm happy. And that's kind of like the good part about building software when you, mm. you have a, an end goal in mind and you get there and it's like, Hey, um, but the, as, as Marlon said, the, the advantage really is being able to use Xcode and being able to run from Xcode and just having Xcode as that development environment, um, versus something like VS Code, which mm-hmm. isn't as nice. Maybe that's just because I'm more familiar with Xcode, but even still, like, that's still a good reason to want to stick with something. 
Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. But especially when you get to a point where you actually want to like use the debugger, it's just so nice to have the entire tool set that you're already familiar with. Yeah, like, I had some problem with one of the APIs that we're making for mission control, and I just put a breakpoint in Xcode to see <laughs> where it didn't go through. Yeah, and it's can, good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and you can change variables like with the debugger as as you please. You 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 already probably have some kind of strategy for stubbing out certain parts of of returns. So all of those kind of strategies that we acquired over the years, you can just use there as well, and have like mm -hmm. certain noises. Like I I had one um, like when we did something with refreshing tokens, there was one scenario that wouldn't happen all the time, would roughly happen every hour. And I didn't want to simulate that because it is OOS, like a token that needs to be renewed. So I just set a breakpoint with a noise, like, uh, you know, how you can play a sound and like all those kind of things you can just do. And you already know how to do them because we had to use those uh, tricks for uh, iOS development before. Mm. So it's really nice. Exactly. You sort of get over that initial hump of like, because when you're learning something new, there's so many pieces to learn, but it's nice to already know both the language and the tooling that you're using. Mm. Um before you know and then and it's just about learning say a new framework be like vapor yep. um i did want to mention a couple of other things related to tooling so the first is how good is poor so this is the <laughs> first chance i've really had to because i've always been a postman person because mm -hmm. well it's free and i don't build apis so i couldn't really justify paying for that software but then they did that uh was it the thanksgiving yeah, promotion thanksgiving 50 yeah. percent um, off no, yeah, so I mean, or 100% off. Just, oh. 100% <laughs> yeah, off. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, so it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and it's nice to just use a native Mac app. I'm not using any of the fancy features yet. Like, all I'm doing is just making and, like, mm -hmm. getting post requests. Like, it, it's really simple, but it's nice to use a native Mac app for that, yeah. to have, yeah. like, multiple window thing. It's not Electron. It feels fast. It has the dark mode thing. Like, all the nice things about yeah. apps. Like, it's just mm -hmm. a good app to use and and i know that uh, there's so much more that can be done with it and i'm sure i'll like explore some of those features eventually mm. but yeah i'm not there yet but it's still it's still just really nice to use poor mm. and then the other piece of software that actually kai you've i looked this up this morning you've picked this on the podcast before as one of your picks of the week um but at the time you know i didn't really pay much attention to it, it was Post <laughs> for noted <laughs> yeah for, for database well like you know it was like oh cool kind yeah. of cool tool but like it's not it wasn't relevant to yeah. at the time i think it was like episode 40 something um so it was a while ago mm -hmm. but yeah anyway i've been using that for um like the database management Which stuff one? and and a postico okay postico. yeah nice uh, yeah, post is that how you say it? Post I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just say it with confidence and then that's how <laughs> yep. you say it. Yeah, so I've been using that both mm. to connect to like the remote test database, but also just like local databases while testing. Mm. And, and yeah. it works really well. So I've been impressed. Um yeah, it's pretty pretty good app. Mm. Um so and yeah, again, it, going both on. Paul and Postico feel kinda they're coming from a similar mindset, right? They look like very simple native Mac apps. But they do what you want, and they're not trying to be fancier than they need to be. Yep, like they're yep. just using native like elements to show you the text and the data and input fields, and it's just it behave. Everything does exactly what you expect it to do. They're not opening new tabs when you're when you're clicking something like some of the other ones. They're just behaving like a Mac app, and they're looking simple to to make the thing you're actually looking at stick out. Mm -hmm. And it's that's really nice. And that's kind of, I mean, loosely related the um. 
like when when I build apps anyway, is like that's kind of the thing that I'm going for, like on iOS to have that familiar feel so that somebody doesn't have to spend time using mm-hmm. my app, like sorry, learning my app versus every other app on mm-hmm. their phone, um, but instead can just get straight into it and use like use it for what, what its intended purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of comes to mind because I was uh, somewhere last night and I was seeing, I was watching somebody use, I think the app was Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, like it could have been Instagram, but it was one of those ones where you send photos. Um, and just the weird like interactions. And I was thinking about it, it's like it's cool for that app. Like I kind of understand um having custom interactions for a social network app. You're kind of building that stickiness with the users. It has that thing of like, oh, this is a young person's thing. Like it's not immediately <laughs> discoverable to old people. Like, like yeah. I kind of get there might be a time and place for that like weird custom UI. But I was thinking like for the apps that I know I'm building at the moment there's no place for that. Like, yeah. there's no point making somebody go through a massive learning curve just to check petrol prices on their phone. Like, it should just be <laughs> easy. It should just look like everything else. It should adapt to light and dark mode as yeah, the rest of the apps on their phone the success with your the success of your app coincide with the death rate on Australian roads. <laughs> you know? No, exactly. Um, ideally, people aren't using the app while they're driving because that would be illegal unless you're using Siri, <laughs> I think. Don't quote me on that, but I think. Um, but still... Um, you know, ideally, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. let's not let's not introduce custom interaction patterns. But yeah, it goes back to that. Like, it's really nice when when we get an app that yeah. feels looks and feels native, looks like something that Apple could build or could have built. I learned the other day that uh, Tower, which I know we all use as a Git client mm-hmm. on the Mac, which is also really good, um, supports tab tabs. And I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't I realize it's, like, it's, it's just so a really nice. simple thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so cool because I have a million Tower windows open all the time. Like, mm. you know, they they hardly use any resources on the yeah. computer so it's just easy to have for every project i'm working on at the moment just have a tower window open but to be able to tab it it's quite nice mm-hmm. um yeah so i'm, I'm using that feature Run shout out cool. for tower have you tried the tower 4 beta yet no yes i i really like to just they added i i, I mean they added a whole bunch of stuff but one thing is uh command z for undo mm-hmm. And oh, it's nice. so nice. You just like, oh, wanted to change something, you just undo it. Wait, it, so you undo the commit? Whatever your action was. Like almost huh. any. I, I didn't run into anything that you can't just undo. Okay. I mean, after pushing I can things. give you one. I can okay. give you, and it might have been fixed in more recent betas, but I think this was like the first tower for beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the middle of an interactive rebase okay. and I aborted the rebase accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you know, if you're familiar with tower, it, you'll kind of know what I mean. If you're going through like... You're in the middle of an interactive rebase. Commit, commit, commit. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the end. You've got nothing. Stay. You've got nothing in your working copy. You you have the two options to either abort or yep. to continue. Yep. I hit abort accidentally. Uh, okay. Then it was gone, and <laughs> I, I lost like two hours of work. <laughs> um, and I couldn't command Z to okay. undo that. Unfortunately, it makes sense to not be able to because I wasn't. It wasn't an action anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like slightly disappointed that the feature didn't save me there. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I was able to redo that same work in about fifteen minutes because I kind of knew what needed to be mm. done. Yeah. Um, but I, that was my own fault for sort of having a prolonged rebase. I yeah. think I shouldn't have been working like that. Um, but oh well, sometimes that happens. So, do you do yeah. you report it as a as a bug? No, I haven't yet. <laughs> you should. I probably should do that. Mm. Um, yeah. How do you- I get on this um, Tower Four beta? <laughs> um, you can either wait until they release it, at That's, which point it's not a beta, then it's not a beta. or you go to <laughs> settings. I want to be on the beta. Yeah. All right, you can go to settings and uh-huh. say release channel and select beta. Uh-huh. Uh, settings updates and then release channel. Pick okay. beta yeah. up and then. Okay. Check for updates. I will do this after the podcast. Good. Good call. Thank you. Uh, how do you do your deployment for your Vapor app? 
At the moment, I'm using Heroku. Okay. Um, which will not be the the path I take for production because they don't have Australian servers. Mm-hmm. Um, so things are slow. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, doing a request takes like three seconds. Um, but it's good enough for development. It's really I like Heroku's interface. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really easy to just set things up at the moment. Um, but I will need to find a much better way to do this for production. Have you uh, looked into Vapor Red? No, I haven't. What's that? So Vapor Red is Vapor's kind of automatic deployment. Uh, what? How do? What they? Well, let's see. They call it really easy deployments. So it's essentially mm-hmm. um, continuous integration for Vapor built by the Vapor team, and it's you bring your own. Too. You bring your own platform, so you can point it at AWS or DigitalOcean or whatever. It um, seemed to be re- relatively similar to um, Netlify. Yeah, but it's the idea is more that you bring your own infrastructure. So you sign up for a DigitalOcean account, give them access to it, and every time you do like a, uh, you can have like your different, uh, let's say you use DigitalOcean, you can have your div- different servers, one for development, one for production, and e- automatically everything you push to to master automatically get deployed to production. Everything that's deployed to other branches might go into like a staging server and those kind of things. And they manage all of that for you. And for the single developer, single application, it's just free. So you just get all the setup uh, out of the box um, if there's something you're interested in. Nice. Yeah, no, definitely, because I need a better... Um solution i guess mm. before i go production ready but yeah um that could be that could be something I and will, it's still yeah, you can look. still move away from it too because they still use like all the i mean they just use all the nat- uh, vapor native uh tool chains like they use docker to just spin it up there it just makes it really nice because similar to all the other ci cd systems right you you just deal with your your workflow on the developer side and they deploy to the cloud as as you configured once nice hmm. It's pretty good. But how are you doing your database? It's um, it's a, a Postgres database server. Yeah, where are you hosting it? At the moment, we're hosting everything on DigitalOcean. Okay, yeah. So, um, I mean, in general, the, like any of those, right? Uh, Lino, DigitalOcean, they're all kind of doing similar things. Mm-hmm. And pick whatever seemed to appeal to you the most. But for us, DigitalOcean, I, I just like the interface. I do like some of their CDN services they have. So we picked that, and then, uh, yeah, just create a database server, connect them, and you're good to go. Okay, nice. Mm. Yeah, I need to look into Because, again, I'm using Heroku um, mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. as well. But I will, I, again, I'll move away. Um, mm. It's mm. just, it's working really well for development at the moment, so I'm not in a rush. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't bother me that it takes, like, three seconds for every time I open the app. But, yeah. obviously, that's not a great mm. experience. Especially um, for an app for, that's so focused sure. on the Australian market, right? It's oh, not 100%. Like, yeah. yeah, there's no point uh, using... Um, like having to connect anywhere that is in Australia, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because 100% yeah. of people just will just make the trip overseas every time they want yeah. to hit yeah. the server. I have no problem with somebody who opens the app in America having to <laughs> phone home to Australia. That's yeah. fine because yeah. they not probably shouldn't really be using the app anyway. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to make people in Sydney wait yeah, for yeah. that round trip to uh, the US. Mm. It's not... Uh, it doesn't make for a good experience. I, mm. I don't want... It. I mean, and that's the thing, like... Because um, I probably will route all requests now but now that i've got this backend service probably will root all requests through it um instead of hitting the government uh petrol prices api directly mm-hmm. um but that means things will slow down i mm-hmm. uh, just hopefully if 
everything is local, it's not as slow as if it was going through America. I mean, realistically, you how often does the app refresh data? Is it like on every tab or is it kind of like you you grab a whole bunch of data and then you're dealing with local? So, the initial there's an initial data mm-hmm. thing when you open it. Um, and then every time you go into a detail for a station, there's another request okay. to get the prices for that station, but that can be cached. Okay. Um, so, if you were quickly flicking between stations, uh, you'd probably find that uh, like a lot of those requests are cached if you'd visited that one before yeah. within. I don't know. i, I got to work out times and things that work yeah. out. But realistically, I think within like an hour, you're pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'll work. Uh, but I think I think the caching... Sh- at this point, I'm leaning towards caching happening on the client side, mm-hmm. um, like on, on the phone itself. Um, and then the, the back end just basically echoes yeah, yeah. all the requests. Um, just I had reasons I can't think of them off the top of my head, but that was sort of the solution that I worked out uh, mm. when I sat down and was like, "How is this going to work?" I kind of mm. brainstormed a little bit the other morning, but anyway, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this um, a bit more. It's been great to have. I, I mean, it was only like I said, it was only like ten hours or so to uh, to work on this because mm-hmm. it has been a busy few weeks. But uh, I think I'll get an, like New Year's Eve. Maybe I'll have the f- mm. most of the day nice. to work on this again. So I'm awesome. hopeful to get a bit mm. further. Um, yeah, Great. pretty cool. Sounds yeah, good. yeah. We haven't worked as much as I was hoping, but I feel like we're really progressing with our database or database setup and backend. Um, I just feel like it's we were. It was so easy to kick it off with Vapor, even though we could have written it in like we spoke about this a lot. Like we could have written it in like PHP or something, but yeah, we we just. I just really enjoy how quick it was and how we can reuse some of the some of the code. I mean, realistically, we wouldn't have like eighty percent of the APIs done with anything. But what we picked, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're just so comfortable using Swift, so it does help quite a lot. Yeah, but also I, I think there are a lot of nice, nice things they provide out of the box to get you. Yeah, yeah. Quite far, quite quickly. Anyway, should we get into the the main event of this episode? Ooh, there's our an shows of the year part of this episode. Yeah. Could you say it's the main event of the year? <laughs> Is it what the people have been waiting for? Uh, sure, I. I you can say that. <laughs> no, I, I think, will say that. Okay. Uh, um, so the event that everyone's been waiting for, uh, according to Zach, uh, we are going <laughs> to talk about our favorite apps and a little bit extra stuff of the year. So the categories essentially are apps in specific categories. Mm-hmm. So we have apps in utility, productivity, game, and lifestyle. And this could be across any uh, Apple platform. Any platform. Yeah. Any Apple platform? Any yeah, that makes sense. Let's, yeah. let's keep it at Apple platform. Um, Apps then, for AirPods? Uh, do they exist? You can pick your favorite AirPods game. Go for cool. it. Cool. Um, yeah. then we, Trying to make them fit in your ear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Then we have Apps of the Year per, uh, per platform, where we have the a newcomer iOS app, a newcomer macOS app, the iPad app, and watchOS app, macOS app, and iOS app. Mm. And then we have Apple Hardware of the Year and finally non-Apple Hardware of the Year. And if anyone's looking at this list and feels like, oh, this seems pretty random of categories, that's because... They are random. They are random. (laughs) These were just the categories that we felt like we wanted to talk about. Mm. Um, And I think it will be fun. I think, like, honestly, like, I don't... I think there are more categories to include, but these are the ones that we are mostly interested in, I think. So, um, yeah, we have to keep the show short Mm. as well. Also, yeah, I, I and will... I think that like 
uh, most the, these co- if you wanted to pick an app, say you could fit it into any of these categories. I know, right? Like it, it, they're so game. broad that yeah, no, that is true. But like if there was something that I don't know, you really, really wanted to get on this list, Marlon, it hmm. would fit into one of the categories. Be that utility, productivity, game, yeah. lifestyle. It would be okay. <laughs> Intentional <Wow>. ambiguity. <laughs> Ultimately, isn't everything a utility or a game <laughs> right? in the app store? I, like, honestly, yeah. when I was putting my stuff to get like my lists together uh, for this, I really struggle finding something that is not utility or productivity. <laughs> Maybe it's just me having a boring, boring use case of my devices, but I feel like that's most no, of what I've been doing this year. In preparation for this, I had a look at the utility category in the App Store. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Really? It's all huge. of those? It's like, mm. <laughs> like some. Uh, there were even some workout apps. I was like, I <laughs> guess it could be utility mm-hmm. to get fit, but <laughs> either way, uh, yeah, lot of lot of uh, room for for argumentation. Let's see, let's see if we're agreeing with each other's picks. Yeah. So should we just start? on top and work our way through i will also put that seems like a very unobvious way of doing this guy <laughs> i'll also put a document of all of our picks in the show notes Ooh. if so, someone yeah. can't follow our rambling on in audio form mm. we should do this for everything we say in the episode <laughs> all right so thanks for uh, volunteering your next app can be a podcast transcriber that's great <laughs> yeah let, let's start with the time tracking and invoicing <laughs> Um, all right, should we just start uh, from left to right? Utility, app of the year 2019. Zach, what did you pick? Oh. Oh, how's oh, this okay. left to right? I don't know, it was just arbitrary. Oh. <laughs> okay. Sure. My utility app of the year, it's a Mac app, because yay, nice. Mac apps. Mm. I think I've picked this on the show before, but it's called Sherlock, and yeah, it's a way nice. of inspecting uh, auto layout constraints on a currently running application in the simulator mm-hmm. um, while you're you're developing on Xcode. It's something that I it, it's not something I use all the time. Uh, in particular this year I haven't done a lot of UI work, um, both in personal projects and at work. But whenever I am doing UI work, it's something that's quite valuable because it saves that whole build and run cycle. It's mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about it actually at work a couple of weeks ago and we kind of settled on it's sort of like Reveal, but not as powerful, but it's like a stepping stone toward... It's like somewhere between Reveal and what you currently get in like the... Is it called Interface Inspector, I think, in Xcode at the moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was a really good way of putting it because you can look at those constraints, you can adjust constraints, you can change properties on um, views and other like interface elements on the screen. So, it's pretty good. Um and yeah, it just it's something that saves quite a bit of time um, when you're going through that typical build and run cycle as an app dev. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's not something I'm using every day, but when I am doing UI work and especially doing things with constraints, um, it's it's quite handy to be able to pull up Sherlock. Uh, it just it just runs on the Mac constantly, so it's it's always open in my case. And whenever it notices you're um, building and running to a simulator, it will inject itself in the build process and. Um, then from there, I think the shortcut I've got set up is Command E when the simulator is mm-hmm. open, and then that sort of changes your cursor input, and you're able to like select different elements and look at the properties and things like that. So it's quite handy. Um, it's sort of new. I think I bought it right at the beginning of the year, so um, it's it's sort of loosely related to this year. Um, <laughs> I think in yeah, general it's, it's for, quite handy. for Mac apps, we we might stretch. Uh, the definition here and there, but also I think we just because it's something. App of the year doesn't mean it has to be a new app, yeah. but we do have we separate do have new, the new commerce category uh, for section that. for that. Um, Good point. Yes, yeah. I'm trying to keep them somewhat new, but 
like looking at my list, there are not that many new ones. <laughs> okay. Cool. Is it my turn? Yes. Oh, You're the right. next person from the left. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, so my utility app of the year is something that I'm I sort of sort of started to reuse a lot this year. Um, I stopped using it for a while, but um, it's so useful. So I think it wait, should wait, wait, be. Do I have a? Can I guess? Is it macOS or iOS? macOS. Reuse. Hmm. Mumble, mumble, mumble. Paw? No. No. All right. Giving up. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, my utility app is uh, Pastebot, oh. which is a clipboard management tool-ish. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's really good. It's from the same people who made uh, Tweetbot. Um, and it allows you to see the history of things that you've been copying. And you can copy multiple things and keep them in your clipboard history. So if you remember that you copied something and put it in the clipboard like 10 copies ago, then you can go back to your clipboard history and just pick it from there and paste it, which is really good. I found that to save me a lot of times. And sometimes I just assume that I have it open, um, but I'm not. And then it's it's so frustrating when I have to go back and copy and paste something that I already copied. Yeah, the world ago. is a dark place. I know, I know, but it is so useful. Like, honestly, once you start using it, you you will notice how, how good it is. Um, if you ever hit uh, Command V on a Mac and it pastes some random, random code snippet instead of whatever thing you actually uh, uh, wanted to paste... You this is exactly what you'll never have to fear again. I know. It's so good. I might be the only nerd who doesn't use a clipboard manager. <laughs> oh, Maybe that should really be should. a New Year's resolution. Yeah. I mean, I don't do New Year's resolutions as we spoke about last year, but... Maybe so it should be something I download after this episode and yeah. get familiar yeah. with next year. Yeah, yeah just yeah. to so define New Year's resolution, just download it today and start using it today. It's like <laughs> end of year resolution. Who cares? Is so it Mac App Store or is it not allowed within the sandbox? So it is Mac App Store, but you have to install a helper app. If you download it directly from their uh, website, you don't need a helper app. And you can try it okay. for 30 days without paying for it. Cool. 20 bucks. So I think the reason why I stopped using it for a while was because the thing that I wanted to use the most was the multiple copying. and multi- Like you could basically do this command where you copied like multiple lines in a row and then pasted them one after another. Um but I didn't really like that functionality. But then I went back for using it mostly for a clipboard manager. And that's great. Mm. And they also do nice things. Like if you copy an image, they actually show you the image in history. It's so than... good. And like I can copy like an interface oh, nice. element if I'm using like Affinity or something. Uh, Affinity Designer, I might copy a layer and then it will mm. stay in my clipboard. It, it usually visualizes it in, because uh, the pasteboard on, on macOS can obviously hold almost anything, right? Mm. So it does deal with all the different types, like color codes. It shows like the actual color for images. It shows what image it is. Mm. And it also excludes automatically certain applications. For example, I, uh, one password wouldn't uh, ever show up in your history because it knows, all right, I don't want to keep your your super secure generated passwords in a clipboard history at all. Mm. That's good. Is yeah. this my nice. your pick, Kai? No, that, it is actually a segue because uh, my app is uh, 1Password. Oh! <laughs> so I just Better. saw a good segue coming up. So I, I appreciate it. Um, and it is more... There's a bit of a recency bias because when we moved to Canada... Uh, I all the services that I used a lot, I moved over like my phone number while I still had access to my uh, Australian number for like two factor reasons. Um, 
but in the last few days i noticed some of the service because i wanted to like do some end of the year cleaning for for like where income came from and those kind of things realized that some services i forgot to update and now they're connected to an australian number i no longer have access to and i should have moved to uh, one password two factor like the google auth protocol thing mm. a long time ago because that's really handy all all the things are completely irrelevant, uh, disconnected from a phone number. And that's the way you should do your two-factor because phone numbers, first of all, not super secure and really annoying when you're in places where you might not have access to your phone number. And with one password, uh, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a pretty neat app. People should use generated passwords over using the same password everywhere. But it also, like all their syncing works really nicely. So if you set up your two-factor uh, code generation in one password on, on macOS, it will automatically work on iOS. And on iOS to also do like nice things like if you use the um, one password uh, uh, extensions to to paste like your login, your username and password, it automatically puts the two-factor uh, the one-time code um, into your paste board, so you can just paste it into the into the last step. That's usually your your two-factor code, which is really handy and really nice. So yeah, I I just spent the last few days moving as much into that as I could, and I just thought it's really nice. And I picked iOS in particular because I do have some small uh, usability issues with the macOS app, and I thought the iOS app I don't have those issues with. Nice. I almost considered. I don't have one password on my list or anything, but I almost considered it because I know um, it's come up a couple of times. We were, fa- we were talking quite favorably about it um, when we started the podcast and then it's come up a few times this year and it's been a bit uh, like, it's okay, but it's not great. But I still li- it's still an app that I like and use constantly, like every day. Mm. Um, and it works. It does work well. I know that there's some issues, but it does everything that it needs to do. Um, hmm. Yeah, it is a good app. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that's a good. That's a good and thing. if I look at at you, like if I see the category utility, there's just nothing that I use as much as one password. That's why I thought, all right, that's that's my pick. Cool, it's a good pick. Cool. All right, the next. I'm pretty happy that we all pick different things. Yeah, I, I wonder. I don't think this would work. I do wonder if we will get to some overlap later throughout this list. Well, we'll see. I have a feeling we might, but that's okay. <laughs> so the next category, productivity. Yeah, productivity app of the year 2019. Zach. I found it difficult to know what a utility app and what a productivity app is. Yeah, well, you, you, you wait and I, see. I, I made these categories, but I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still yeah. a bit unsure. But yeah, I think I have, I have a good one. In uh, my opinion, Zach, do you want to start again? Okay. Um, my pick is, uh, <laughs> look, it kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's borderline on the rules here. It's not a productivity app per se, but I use the app. <laughs> Because of the productivity gains over a competing app, if it even is considered a competing app, if that makes sense, which is why I've put it in the productivity category. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay. And that, is it a game? That app, <laughs> sorry, it's not a game. No, um, that app is Logic Pro. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah, so. See, I that's looked a, that's and one I that would fit both I, utility and productivity, yeah, right? Because you, you, mm. you are productive, like it helps you to be more productive. Exactly. That, that's why it's it loosely fits into the productivity category because yeah. could use GarageBand and I was using GarageBand before, but with Logic things are so much faster. Faster mm-hmm. audio, um, just some of the automatic silence removal things that it can do. Um, having chapter markers in there just saves a bunch of time when editing podcasts. And it's not again something strictly that I've started using only this year. I think I bought the app in September last year. I did look at the receipt this morning. But uh, it's something that I'm still using uh, on a 
you know, every few weeks when I edit the podcast and it's, it's handy every time, saving a lot of time. Uh, and I'm very glad that I have the app and I'm using it regularly. So, mm. yeah, that's that's the app. Yeah, good pick. I, I like Logic too. For some reason, though, with one of the last updates, something with my undo st stack is slightly broken every now and then. So, I, I more frequently than usual run into problems where I do uh, try to do... Try to undo and saying there is no undo. I was like, "What do you mean? I just moved stuff. How is there no undo?" And what what actually happened in the last episode, uh, episode seventy seven? Uh, I was just finishing the last. Like, I just moved the end of the, the the audio track. I just moved that. All of a sudden, it jumped back to a state it was in an hour ago. I was like, oh no, <laughs> lost like an hour worth of edit. And it's really annoying because <laughs> listening to, like editing a podcast, doing that again is super tedious because you kind of spend a lot of time on something very specific. And with code, you often learn something. So the next time you solve the same problem, you can do it in, in no time. Yeah, yeah, with audio, you, you still have to be as precise. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, there's Logic has a feature where you can jump to previous like save points uh, in the file menu. So I actually went to a backup that was five minutes ago and that, that meant I only lost five minutes. So it's kind of nice. both a issue and at least they have a system that if something goes wrong, you can just jump back a few minutes and you're, you're still fine. All right. Cool. Nice. No, I feel it's a good, it's a good pick. Mm. Um, I feel like with that cross, qual with that classification of what productivity is, that's like just defined, this works pretty well for me. Um, so my pick is something that we spoke about earlier in the show. Does anyone want to have a guess? This show, like this episode. Uh, something vapor related. Paul? No. No. Uh, no. I pick, uh, Tower or Git oh, Tower. Ah, oh, nice. Of course. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good because choice. I feel like, um, Damn, I had that on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tower is just a really good... So, in case people fell asleep during the previous segment, maybe I can recap what it is. I don't know if this is necessary, but it's it's a Git client. So, rather than using the command line or any other competing Git client, uh, I found that Tower is a really neat native Mac app that you can use uh, for managing your Git flow or just for, for all your Git commits and everything. You can even... Uh, to some extent, review pull requests and things like that in there. Um, and it has multi-tap support. Um, so, so there's that. And yeah, I, I use it a lot. Um, and continuous updates and it seemed to get better over yeah. time. It's, it's quite nice to see a Mac app that gets a lot of attention. It seems yeah. to be full-time main pro main focus of their company which is nice mm. to see yeah yeah i really like it and yeah you definitely noticed it it was good at first when like even with pre earlier uh, i think i started with earlier versions of tower now mm -hmm. we're on tower th three yeah with four being uh, yeah with four coming out um but i found that like even it started out pretty well like being a good app but it was relatively minimalistic it wasn't having as many features but they keep on adding like pretty major features that are really helpful and yeah mm, i like it yeah all right for me uh my productive productivity pick of 2019 is alfred four oh that makes sense kind of is similar to your pick marlin in the utility mm -hmm. section because i do use alfred for launching all the things like as a spotlight replacement and and finding folders like if you this is a mac app that is a Mac app, yes. So it's like a launch bar-like app. I used to use Launchbar in the early day. Or Quick Quicksilver? Was it called Quicksilver? I think that like was in the very it, early it day. It was an app called Quicksilver. Mm. Don't know what it is. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so I use Alfred to launch apps. It's really fast. Uh, it has a nice differentiation between looking for files and looking for things to open. So if you hit space when you open Alfred, then it only finds folders and files. Yeah, you can nice. even open folders, right? Mm. But it makes it quite easy. Like you hit space before you type in your search term and you only see files. So you don't have this kind of, I know if you have something called... Uh, a similar name to let, let's say you work on an app you have uh, mission control you only looking for the xcode project not for the the actual app and hit space first and you only find the files which is quite nice um and it also has if you are a uh, pro subscriber it has clipboard management and that's actually Woo-hoo. yeah that's my clipboard manager of choice mm. i do think uh, both pasteboard and alfred are, are pretty good at that i just the particular way that Alfred does it, uh, I, I I like better. It seems to do like quick pasting slightly faster. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe yeah, yeah. So got better. That's at what that. it's called. Oh, that's what I thought wasn't as great as I was hoping um, with the previous version, but I haven't used it at all lately, so I mm. can't say anything about the pastebot uh, one. Yeah, but yeah, I, I also like using Alfred, and if it covers two use cases and one uh, one less thing to install on your Mac, so yeah. Uh, continuously using Alfred because all the time. Are you running out of space over there? No, it's just, you know, I, I like to have my Macs. Like, when I get a new Mac, I want, I like f- to be able to set it up as quickly as possible when, like, doing all the all the clean install stuff. And this, uh, yeah, makes it easy. And I'm using, I just looked at, they have a nice usage tab. Um, and I've used Alfred since I got this Mac in November uh, 2018. Uh, 13,106 times for an average of 32 times per day. Whoa. That's, That's impressive. You're mm. pasting a lot. No, I mean, it's also launching apps. Oh, right? yeah. So every yep. time I hit command space. Oh, you're launching a lot. I know. Mm. Mm. Cool. Good pick. Mm. Um, all right. right maybe something that is I guess more in the like fun category I found those other apps to be fun but this is like more like dedicated fun category which is games uh, I thought we do lifestyle first I was a bit confused about that introduction oh we're doing that Sorry. no we can do games I don't I, don't I don't forgot know. that you changed order um, yeah I already introduced it so yeah. let's do lifestyle now uh, sorry let's do, <laughs> let's do game okay so game of the year do, 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 do. well iOS Apple platform game of the year Apple platform game of the year do, 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 do. Zach do you want to start sure so I struggled with some <laughs> Zach I don't have Our, Apple Arcade the and... cup, of, cup of tech games expert Zach uh, <laughs> I don't think I've downloaded a single new game this year, which is bad. <laughs> um, but I was going through both my iPhone and iPad this morning. I don't think I have a game on my iPhone. <laughs> Actually, I do. And that's a lie. I just scrolled to the last home screen. I have two spies, but I have not played it yet. Okay. Um, play so by default. I heard it's good. <laughs> it, it's downloaded. But I did go through my iPad, which has, I think, all of three games on there. Um, the... Uh, an, an, a notable mention being Alto's Adventure, um, okay. but yeah, I don't think I've good. played that this year. I remember playing it a lot last year at uni, but I haven't <laughs> played it this year, so I didn't want to pick that. Um, but I, I went with Mini Metro because okay. Mini Metro is one that I've just sort of always kept on the iPad. Before that, kept it on my iPhone. Mm. Um, 
on the odd occasion where I feel like I want to play a game, and honestly, I can't even think of a scenario that that <laughs> occurs, but I know it happens from time to time. Mini Metro is always a fun one to open up and to quickly destroy a city with public transport because I'm very bad at it. Um, but it's always there. It's a little bit of fun. Um, mm. I should really be trying out Apple Arcade and try the new game by the same creators, um, but I haven't done that. And yeah. So anyway, so based on my very limited options for this category, <laughs> I had to go with Mini Metro. It is a good game. I do enjoy it when I play it. Um, but full disclosure, I'm not playing it very often and I don't have much to compare it to. So there we go. Whoa, they will feel it. They will be so proud of that one. Yeah, I don't think, I think you didn't need that disclaimer based on, on your introduction to this category. Uh, all right, but cool. Zach yeah. Spake for the best game of 2019 is a game from October 2016. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Still playing it. <laughs> all right, cool. Marlin. Uh, all right, I have a feeling that you and I picked the same thing. Let's see. Um, I'll pick a Apple Arcade game called What the Golf. All right, yes, we did pick the same. Yeah, yeah. this is a really good game. It's hard to pick this category because I think there are many, many good games that I played recently. But I feel like this is very innovative, if if you can if you can give it that. Uh, I think it's just having such a unique concept of how the how the le- how the levels are just working. Like all the all the levels are so different. You play you have so different play styles. It sounds like a golf game, but it's. It's not a very traditional golf game, and yeah, it's it's just it's just fun, and it's very very thoroughly worked through as well. I think all the characters are really cute. Uh, it's a very cool, like interesting style, and pretty goofy, and I I like it. It feels a bit like a indie game of people who care about what they're doing, and then somehow their budget increased uh, tenfold. Yeah, um, yeah. which is it, sometimes that can be bad, but I think in this case it was really well executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it's the same pick, uh, my runner-up would have been... Uh, I don't want to commit to that. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. I haven't just finished it. I should do that this week. Yeah. Um, they also they, add new things. Every they also now. add new they things. Like, a, like special, special levels and Christmas calendars and stuff like that. Yeah, like they had one new level every, every uh, day of December until the 25th. Mm. And even those levels were new and creative and fun. Fun. Oh. Yeah. All right, lifestyle, lifestyle category, lifestyle pick of 2019, Zach. This is probably the most ambiguous category we have to offer. Yeah, you could put whatever you want in there. Yeah, I liked it. I I had suggested (laughs) this morning adding a health category, but then we decided that uh, health apps can categorize themselves as lifestyle apps, which is what I meant when I said that basically any any app you want to include in this list can Mm -hmm. be fit into one of the categories, Um, which is really good. So... Uh, on that note, I picked a health app, obviously, and I do not believe that I've picked this as a pick of the week before. Uh, the app is Health Face by Crunchy Bagel, which is an Australian company Ooh, based perfect. in Adelaide. Um, I health, uh, it's it's a like sort of born with the idea in mind of being able to have any health data basically that you want. I think it supports most of the main types of health data in HealthKit. Uh, as a complication on your Apple Watch. Um, And that's sort of how the app came about. But it also supports um, logging of, 
like the same information back into HealthKit, manual logging, but still logging from both the watchOS and iOS app. And so I have quite a specific use case for it, but whenever I check my blood sugar manually and want to record that in HealthKit, uh, I typically use the watch app. Um, it's front and center on my like little honeycomb screen thing on my watch. And so I quickly open that and has a nice interface using the digital crown to select your, your current blood sugar um, or, or whatever other measurement you wanted. If you wanted to put in weight or blood pressure or anything like that, you can um, use health face for that. But I use it specifically for blood sugar. Um, same goes on the iPhone. If my iPhone's handy, I'll happily use it there too. But it's an app that I'm using, you know, anywhere between two and six times a day, depending on how many times I'm manually checking blood sugar mm-hmm. um, and then recording them into into HealthKit. And at the moment, that data is, is just sitting in HealthKit. But, um, you know, maybe one day it'll be nice to have all that record um, and, and analyze it some way. So, uh, I'm not really using Health Face for the Apple Watch complications, but I am using it for like the input of data, and it's fantastic for that. It's a lot faster than the alternative, which would be opening up the Health app itself, finding the blood glucose category, um, mm-hmm. hitting the plus button, all of that. It's just it, it's too much. I wouldn't do that. It, it's a lot of manual work, but Health Face makes it really nice, really easy, um, and it's a good app that just kind of serves a single single purpose for me, and it works really well. Um, yeah, so that's my pick for lifestyle app. I use it all the time and like it. Nice. Great. All right. Uh, I feel like we go in the same order all the time. That's fine. Okay. I mean, I don't feel like it. We are. Uh, <laughs> it's clarifying. People like consistency. Okay. Okay. So my lifestyle app of the year. It's it's year. Yeah, it's a year. Uh, uh, I like that you also slowly catch up to what we're doing here. <laughs> um, so my pick for lifestyle of the year. <laughs> Well, Lifestyle enough. app of the year <laughs> um, is the app, the iOS app called Streaks. Um, well, <laughs> how fitting. Also by Crunchy Bagel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like that name, Crunchy Bagel. And well, now I'm really up for bagels too. Um, but my pick is Streaks. So Streaks is an app where you can track your streaks. I've been talking about this on the podcast before. I think the reason why this is my Pick. I feel like lifestyle has such a it's such a broad thing. There were so many apps I could pick here, but the reason I picked this one is because I felt like this was something I use consistently. I mean, by, that's that's sort of what the idea of the app is. You should use it very consistently, and it's something that made one me. One could say you should build streaks. What they should market it that way, mm. um, and then just felt like this was a great app that I used very frequently to improve certain things. Um, like for example, I want to exercise more and having streaks really helped me do that. And I feel like it's just an app that I have consciously been trying to use and trying to, um, yeah, used to just build up streaks in general. So, uh, it's something that I used a lot this year and yeah, it, it really helps. I really remember it. Remember to do things. And my trick, which I uh, think I spoke to, spoke about earlier, my recommendation is that if you don't, if you're not in the sort of, if you're not in the routine of like setting up streaks and if you don't know what you want to start with, a streak that I've been having, um, is to use the app streaks. And that's like a really good way to actually remember to use it, remember to open it up. And then you will also be reminded about other things you want to have streaks on. And it keeps you, it helps you getting into that pattern of using it. And it's a great thing to start with. Um, cool. yeah. All right. Looks like Crunchy Bagel is dominating the lifestyle category. Yeah. Um, mine, just to break that streak of Crunchy Bagel picks, um, is Transit. 
um, which is a, as as you would assume, a transit app for iOS. <laughs> so you you tell it where you are, you tell it where you want to go, and it figures out how to get there. Um, but it does that in a very nice way. It supports like all the all the nice real time data in most of the cities, so you can see exactly when your train is coming or when your bus is coming. It has decent support for multimodal transportation, so your best tr like especially in in the warmer months of the year, you might want to bicycle for a little bit and then catch a bus or catch a train, and it it does support those kind of types of transport. Also for like uh, things like Uber. It, it in theory would support that, but Vancouver still does not have ride sharing, so we can't really speak about that too much. Um, but otherwise, or, um, but Lyft is coming soon. Yeah, both of them are coming soon. Yeah. Uh, but I like, the, the but last I... we've heard was before Christmas, uh, which it is no longer. But we'll see. We'll see. It's it's a it's a long long fight here that's going on. Anyways, um, really nice app. Uh, does one of the core features that I do miss from like the built-in maps transit tracking is notifications when you're approaching the stops that you so have to nice. get off on. Yeah. So I usually do not use transit apps when I'm going places that I, I know where to get off anyways, because why would I then use an app? So I usually do it when I go places that I've not been to or I'm not frequently <laughs> going to. Um, and then if you, they call it, I think, go, go, like G-O trips. When you hit the go button, they tell you, hey, you're one stop away from from where you have to get off. Uh, get get ready, mm. and then so tell it's you like now to get off. the name of it and everything. So mm. if you know that you have to like stop the like, push the button to stop mm. the bus, then you get help with mm. that. And they have quite a nice way of showing it on on the watch as well. With like yeah, the previous stop, the next stop, the current stop. It's quite nice. Um, and everything is nicely usable with one hand. So yeah, of all the transit. I mean that makes sense, right? Sometimes you're holding on to like. You're you're in a train or in a bus. You're holding on to something, and then you you just awkward shuffle with uh when you have to hit the dismiss button somewhere in the top left right uh mm -hmm. corner, and they just uh, built for for one handed use. So everything you can just drag that like pull down. Everything is dismissible. So I just think those kind of details matter a lot for something that you might use more likely on the go. Yeah. And yeah, that's that what made sense. it my, I don't know, lifestyle app of the year. Again, a bit of a stretch. Uh, You're just in the transit lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a car, so now it's part of lifestyle. I think it is definitely part of lifestyle. Um, so, thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. We approve I, of this pick. <laughs> no, I don't know. I had an interesting thought the other day. This is me off with my ramble again. This is what happens when we don't talk for two weeks. I just, you know, all my, all my random thoughts come out. Uh, in the in the two hours we spend recording, um, but it was just about how happy I am with the general state of iOS apps at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think good public, like I don't know, I get a lot of joy out of using a good public transport app because, as we we have spoken about it many times, uh, I like to nerd out about public transport apps, and you two are very much the same. And mm -hmm. I think in general, like. Everything you need to do, like this, all this information is so accessible and made so nice by good apps. And mm -hmm. it's this like, I don't know, it makes living like apps in general make living life easier, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I think a, a good public transport app definitely ties into that, like removing the stress from when you're out and about. Um, mm. Uh, another example might be uh, having a good weather app, one that alerts you when it's about to rain. Like all of these little niceties that your phone or your watch or your Mac or whatever it is can do that sort of just kind of come together to make like 
at your day-to-day experience mm-hmm. slightly nicer. And even just looking at my home screen right now, um, you know, sort of starting the day with something like auto sleep, which mm-hmm. is just automatically looking at my sleep and I just check it once a day. It's quite nice. Um, that is a nice addition, um, you know, to have that information available for, for no, essentially no extra effort, like just wearing the watch to bed, but not having to manually do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, then having a good weather app, which I'm, I'm using Carrot at the moment, um, having good public transport apps. I've got two of them on my home screen and that, that's where it ties <laughs> into your pick. Like there's just so much available. Um, and, an, and another app, which I actually haven't mentioned in my picks at all this week, so I can talk about it. Sorry, for this um, this episode, so I can talk about it a little bit now, but the Air Matters app, which I picked a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just just something that's like, it's such a simple app in that all it's doing is telling you air quality in your city, but it's kind of a really good app to have, like, just day to day, given the situation in uh, Sydney at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's something that makes you feel slightly more empowered, just having this, like, it's better to have this information than to go blind. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not presenting you good information. I don't know. It just kind of all ties into this nice, like, lifestyle thing of these good apps make day-to-day slightly better and just mm-hmm. me having all this information. But there's also so much choice access. for everything, right? Your yes. your requirements for a public transit app might be completely... Uh, or or not even completely different, just slightly, because we're all fortunate enough to be in cities that have decent public transport. But yours might be slightly different from mine. You might be more someone who needs to be somewhere at a specific time. I usually don't have that. I'm more like, oh should probably get going now and then i want to go right now you might look for all right when is the next bus coming right and there's there's an app for explicitly that way of traveling that is better for one or the other and i think that's kind of nice that we're in a place where there's a good app for no matter how you want to use it rather than having those monstrous apps that try to serve everyone and don't really are not really fun to use for anyone you you just have a lot of really good apps to to pick from and find and being able to find the one you that works best for your lifestyle and i do like (laughs) those good single use kind of apps or apps that like really sort of take one idea and just run Mm -hmm. with it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they don't really do anything else but if you like that idea you're you're happy to use them and it's exactly why i have two public transport apps on my home screen right now Mm -hmm. and it's not like I don't play favorites that you, you can't really compare the two. They do completely separate things. Yes, mm. they help me get around my city, but that's about the only commonality they share. Mm. They're completely different apps, completely different takes. And I don't have a favorite. It just depends on the situation I'm in. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that kind of like, yeah, apps that, apps that do one thing really, really well. Um, like even even going back to auto sleep, I know for a lot of people, their only interface with auto sleep is the push notification it sends once every 24 hours telling you how it slept, how you slept. Like, they don't open the app and that's fine. Like, that's if what that's I do. your preferred way of interfacing with an app, then go for it. Like, if mm. it does that well, like, it's totally worth the, you know, few dollars that mm. the, the developer charges. So, mm. it's pretty cool. Mm. Mm. Apps, pretty good idea. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Yeah. <laughs> sure get into that business. <laughs> All right. Cool. So that wraps up our uh, things of the year across the selected categories. Now we're getting into per platform. Per platform. And we're starting with two of the hardest ones, newcomer iOS followed by newcomer macOS. Yeah. So, so... Zach, get us started on newcomer iOS. Okay. <laughs> we were just talking about apps where you have ample choice. Uh, okay, and one of okay. those categories for choice in apps is weather apps there is Ooh, no shortage right? of mm-hmm. weather apps for uh-huh. every need under the sun mm-hmm. um clever i see what you did there yes yes um 
if you have a preferred way of the weather being displayed to you, I guarantee there is an app for you. Uh, I have spoken before about my my preferred weather app uh, being Carrot because of how good the Apple Watch app is. And that is the only reason I stick with Carrot is because the Apple Watch app is, in my opinion, second to none. And I check the weather on my watch more than I check the weather on my phone. Mm-hmm. That said... Uh, when I do have to check the weather on my phone, I have a new go-to for that, and it's an app called Snowflake. It's okay. built in Melbourne, Australia, so shout out uh, more Australian devs. For some reason, Australia seems to have a decent number of indie devs who, mm-hmm. who do okay. It's pretty, it's pretty also, good. Also, Mark Edwards does do a lot of indie apps. So He, do, he does. He, he yep, does he, um, flood the market with <laughs> the total number of indie apps goes up mm-hmm. because of Mark Edwards alone. But <laughs> Every time he breathes, he's uh, he's had a hand in a new app. It's great. Um, but yeah, and the, he's the even app, involved um, in like a hundred that, that he's not technically... Uh, that he didn't technically start, but that uh, he did nice artwork for or, or iconography. He's doing a lot of things. Yeah, it's great. Cool. Um, so, you Mark's pick great this Mark Edwards? And- <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Mark's a great designer, and so yeah, he built he built Snowflake, and they released uh, so Bajango, his company, released Snowflake. It's probably been two or three weeks now, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's sort of become uh, a go to for checking the weather on iOS. Like I mentioned, I still like Carrot's Watch app, but um, I think the interface for Snowflake on iOS is quite good. It's super customizable, and I think that's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the main idea behind Snowflake is that you can optionally ha- like make it have all the information you could possibly want, like get, you know, detailed daily summaries for the next week and, you know, eight data points on the main screen for various uh, bits of information. But you can also customize that and scale it right back to have only a couple of data points on the main screen and no sum- like no daily summaries on the main screen. So it's like, it's one of those mm-hmm. apps where you kind of turn it into the app that you want. Um, but I really like the way that it displays the weather. I like how you can sort of zone in on each hour of, of the forecast and get some information about that, particularly during the summer in Australia, things like UV index um, varies dramatically on an hourly basis. Um, weather, I mean, temperature itself doesn't matter so much, but, you know, if you're planning a beach day, it can make a world of difference to to go at 1 p.m. instead of 12 p.m., for example. Um, mm-hmm. So, just that kind of drilling down per oh, hour. Australian uh, problems. I know, yeah. Very, very niche-specific <laughs> problems, but uh, I like the way that Snowflake handles all those um, all those challenges. It so does also Snowflake do the fancy for, things. For uh, sun related information yeah it's great um fantastic name it does also do the fancy radar stuff i don't really use i mean it doesn't rain enough here to worry too much about radars and i have rain <laughs> parrot for that but it does do all that stuff you'd expect from like a top two really moment. focus on their radars i never understand why yeah, i don't bet, care I what bet, it looks like it just tell me when it rains and when it doesn't <laughs> I don't yeah. exactly know. and that's why rain parrot is so fantastic the actual <laughs> ios app doesn't need to be good as long as it sends good push notifications yeah. what it, it has no other purpose it's great yeah uh, and i mean that in the nicest possible way um, yeah, but yeah. if you like it, uh, Snowflake does have it. Yeah, yes, you know that's the thing. If if it's essential to you, um, you you can use Snowflake and uh, and go from there. So that's my pick, Snowflake, new iOS app, and it's about as new as it gets, uh, having yep. launched only earlier this month. Hmm. Nice. Cool. Good pick. Um. So I am picking something that I've been using quite a lot. Uh. Newcomer, so my newcomer iOS app is Been There. I don't yeah. know if you guys heard of this. Good pick. Yeah, I don't know if you heard of it. It's a it's an app by by a developer in Vancouver called Kai. Strange mm. name. It's not Kyle. It's Kai. Um, 
And yeah, it's it's a it's a way for you to be able to find um great coffee shops around you uh, and rate coffee shops around you. Um yeah, great for coffee snobs, uh, which I think we all are, so yeah. I think it's been a really good app. Mm. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about that one. <laughs> Yeah. No, I I know maybe this is a bit biased because Kai made this app, but I think it's honestly a really, really good app and uh people who I talked to have been very happy using being there, so I don't think I'm alone with thinking with thinking this is a great new app. Um and yeah, I feel feel like it's feel like it's great. Is that a am I allowed to pick this? Y- yes. <laughs> cool. Um cool. My a uh, newcomer iOS app is also one that has a lot of options and has it's it's almost a category of app and that is Flighty, which is a flight tracking app. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a close second for me for this category. So yeah. now I'm yeah. glad you pick it. Yeah, I expected you nice. to pick it. I feel like you might pick a flight related app for macOS. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah. Um, flighty. I mean, I. It's actually difficult because this year was probably one of the the years where I did fly the least. Yeah, but, it's and, interesting <laughs> that you're using this. Um, but it's still it imports like all your previous flights and it kind of shows you like your flights you've taken and it's kind of nice. And for the few times that I did fly places, like when we went to Toronto and Ottawa and those kind of flights, it's really nice to just have something that that sends you push notifications and updates and place. It's always annoying. I mean. Airports are pretty good at showing where where gates are, but sometimes your your hands are full. You don't see like it's only showing inbound flights, despite being at the at the security check in for outbound flights. And sometimes I don't know why that's happening. And Flighty doesn't do that. It just shows me what's relevant to me. It gives me updates when there are updates. Uh, it's kind of fun to see certain information super early. Like you can see the exact flight path. You can see what the expected taxi time is and those kind of things. And you kind of get that as soon as the pilots would get it. So get like that data super super quickly if you pay for the pro subscription um but it's kind of nice uh i i'm kind of you know airports and and planes are often places where you don't really know what's going on and somehow my my brain really likes getting as much information as i can while being in that box in the sky like even even their their the info screen you have right those entertainment systems sometimes i'm just listening to a podcast and staring at the empty map with the speed and where we are for hours i don't know why i wouldn't do it in any other environment but an air airplane we're so stored for information sometimes you never know why you're sitting on the taxiway forever and flight it just adds a little bit more information to that and for that i i really enjoy it and it's a new app, which is hard to find. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, on my second last second maturation flight, uh, it was delayed. I think it was only delayed like ninety minutes in the end. But Flighty sort of kept me up to date throughout that process of just like you know every time it was pushed back another five or ten minutes, um, Flighty could tell me that it was tracking the inbound planes, or it knew that it hadn't gotten mm-hmm. it hadn't got there yet. And so just sort of just sort of just anything to like I don't know I. Personally, I don't get that stressed at airports, but I know that traveling can be a stressful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sort of a tool that helps remove some of that stress maybe is quite valuable, um, mm-hmm. especially if you are a nervous flyer. Um, and it was quite handy because in this particular case where the flight was being delayed, um, the airline that I was flying with also pushed pushed through some updates, but not as frequently mm-hmm. as flighty. Um and so it was quite handy to to have both of the apps sending the alerts because um, I think I was sitting in just like one of those airport cafe things um, mm-hmm. 
at the time that really the flight should have been taking off, but I was reassured by the um, by the apps that the flight wasn't wasn't ready to go, so I mm. could just sort of sit there until it said, "Okay, you actually are taking off now." In in fifteen minutes, mm. um, you should probably go to the gate. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just good. Um, yeah, it's great yeah. app. I, I use it too, um, yeah. and I look forward to using it maybe on some US domestic flights over the course of the next year because I have only used it for flights within Australia. At mm-hmm. the moment, and while it's pretty good, I've heard that the data is even better uh, and there's more of it available for um, flights, particularly in the US. Um, yeah, over here, the, the, so. the data is, is ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah. you get more than you would probably want to know, but that's nice, right? <laughs> because everyone cares about something else. Yeah. Uh, no, it but it's is, kind of it fun also to see, like, how when was the maiden flight flight of this particular plane? And you can see information about planes. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's not yeah, super absolutely. necessary, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one information, so the one piece of information that I find lacking for um, Australian domestic flights is the like history of how f- often that particular uh, flight route is on time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I look at like I don't know an, an upcoming flight, for example, it's got no data about okay. um, the arrival. What is, I think is the arrival forecast or whatever they call it. Yeah, like yeah. they've just got insufficient information. But it's like I know mm-hmm. they have access to all of that data because when I'm flying, they've got. The, yeah. the takeoff and landing times, but it's just not uh, in a way, I guess, that they can yeah. use it to to calculate um, mm. histories and, and whatever. So, yeah. I'm sure it's quite handy, but it's just not something I've been able to yeah. use. Uh, yeah, that's, until, all that yeah. stuff seems to work. Like with probability of uh, mm-hmm. w- how likely it is that a flight will be in time and if it's not in time, how how probable it is that it's delayed more than 30 minutes and those kind of things, which is quite nice. And in our particular case, flying back from Toronto, there was a winter storm that hit. And I'm usually not super nervous, but I do want to not miss my flight. So knowing that the flight was delayed without me having to check, like just getting a push notification that our flight will be delayed by an hour, just m- m- means I, I was not stressed at all when the when the train stopped briefly for no reason, <laughs> you know, usually you'd be like, all right, uh, it would be kind of nice to get to the airport now because I do know we're, we're, we didn't put in, like, we didn't plan too much of a buffer, but knowing that the plane is delayed by now, you're like, okay, whatever. As long as we're leaving at all within the next 45 minutes, we'll be fine. And that's kind of nice. Cool. All right. Moving on from Newcomer IRS, which was difficult of a category to the uh, it was difficult because there were so many yeah, yeah. now yeah. we're going now going we're going in into the, uh, the actual difficult the interesting one. territory yeah newcomer mac os this was for hard. 2019 yeah zach what did you find <laughs> there's not a lot to choose from here uh-huh. but i went with an app that i'm pretty happy with that i've been using fairly frequently and that is jura for the mac no, interesting. So, yeah, it's good new. pick. It's a 2019 yeah. product. It's arguably an iOS app, but <laughs> it worked quite nicely on a Mac. So that's my pick. We've spoken about it at length. Um, Catalyst to the rescue of your yeah yeah. Newcomer. Catalyst has saved us, uh, given mm. us a bunch more apps that we can potentially pick from. So that's quite nice. Um, but yeah, it fits all the criteria. It's a Mac app <laughs> and it's new. Um, but no, it is something that I'm using uh, at work quite a lot, and it's it's nice. The push notifications are great. It's better than uh, using email for that kind of push service as I was mm-hmm. previously. Um, and just being able to use a native a native Mac app is great. This it's not perfect. Like there's a few issues with text selection and things like that. I think they fixed a lot of the text rendering issues, which were problematic early on. Um, but yeah, since then it, it's gotten getting a lot better. Um, but it is definitely an app that I'm using quite a lot on my Mac and. It's it's new, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. Cool. Yeah. 
Great. Um, I this this was a hard category because there weren't that many apps. So I said earlier that I went I went through all of I went through and looked looked what I had that qualifies for this. I feel like in general there are not that many apps for Mac that I'm using that came out this year. There are lots of really good ones that I'm using continuously. Like we mentioned a lot of them earlier, like Paw, uh, I already picked Tower, and like there there are lots of lots of tools and stuff like that. But newcomer for me this year uh, is an app called Quests, which I haven't been using. So this is a menu bar item. Uh, sorry, a menu bar, a status bar app that helps you be able to, that integrates with your GitHub account. So you can see all the things that um, are assigned to you in GitHub at the moment. So if you're using GitHub for um, to keep all of your repositories, um, you can see if you have pull requests assigned to you and you can see if you have tickets assigned to you um, and all that sort of stuff. So you know what to action and you know what uh, if you're blocking someone and need to need to actually review something. And it's great to get a quick glance over what you have to do related to pull requests. Um, it's made by um, Steam Clock, uh, which is a company here in Vancouver. So shout out to Vancouver. Um, <laughs> Not that- to Steam Clock, but the, the city, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a. Um, I was working with uh, Steam Clock on a recent project. I didn't work on this. Uh, yeah. It's a good app. Cool. Yeah. Um, for me, I first thought, hey, Pixelmator Pro was released this year. Turns out that was released 2017. Oh, so really? uh, my sense of time is completely off. Uh, so uh, I picked uh, Dato. I think that's how one would pronounce that. I picked that in an earlier episode of Cup of Tech already. Which um, And the app, what it does is it's essentially a replacement for the dates uh, for the time um, status bar item on macOS um, to just enrich that a little bit more because the default uh, time time uh, info thing is very limited and data just gives you a little bit more. It shows you like an, a calendar with upcoming events. You can have a whole bunch of time zones in there so you can see quickly uh, glanceable what time it is in different places uh, i just thought it's it's it does everything that the the uh built-in one does just slightly nicer and i thought that uh, that's a nice uh, kind of utility thing that makes using the mac a little bit more fun but it's also not something that would ever get in the way because at, at the very least it does exactly what a built-in one does so you're not losing anything but you do gain something and it's quite customizable so there are a lot of things you can you can uh, customize if you don't care about the calendar or you want to display it in a specific way. They have quite a lot of uh, settings to to kind of make it work the way you want for like decide uh, if you want to show like the days and where, what day they should start on and which calendars you want to show, which one's not. You can show week numbers for our Swedish listeners. That might be interesting because <laughs> Swedes really like their week numbers. Yeah, yes, so I just do. thought it's kind of a nice uh, utility that makes my Mac slightly nicer to use every now and then. Cool. It's not even something I would use every day, right? I just said Alfred, mentioned Alfred that I use like 32 times a day. This is probably something that I use maybe once a week, but the once a week makes it slightly nicer. Nice. And it came out this year. So <laughs> those two things qualified. <laughs> yeah, so th- I forgot to mention that. So I just looked with quests and quests like just before starting recording. Um, so Quest just made a cut and was released on the 7th of uh, January. So <laughs> we, we're, we're staying in the rules here. But yeah, this was a hard category. All right, iPadOS app of the year. That one was actually, uh, for me, the hardest category because oh, I don't yeah. use iPadOS 
uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. So let's start with Zach. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> this is just the order we decided. Okay, iPad app of the year. I'm going with Lookup, um, which I have mentioned as a pick. I think I mentioned yep. it as a macOS pick before, but the iPad app <laughs> yeah. is equally good. Obviously, being a Catalyst app, the iPad and Mac app, as, uh, Mac apps are very similar. I did almost pick Lookup as the Mac app of the year, but I kind of wanted to get Jira in there. Um, mm -hmm. But Lookup, I mean, realistically, I use Lookup more on my phone than I do on my iPad uh, because it's kind of one of those, like, it's my dictionary app, but it's kind of on the go. Uh, kind of mm -hmm. uh, situation, but the iPad app is still really nice, and you get a lot of the um, the really nice like iOS y interactions and animations, and it's just sort of amplified on a bigger screen. It makes it look really nice. Uh, I quite like a lot of the user interactions. Um, the the they do like images as tiles for things like word of the day and things like that, and they look really good on an iPad. So it's just a really like well designed app that works really well on iPad. So that is my iPad OS app of the year. Um, yeah, look up. Nice. All right. Why, on the Mac, why would you use that over the dictionary app? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, if you just wanted a simple definition, then I think you'd pretty happily stick to the dictionary app. And I know even on iOS, you can pull down and define something in Spotlight. But the real, I think, advantage to look up is it's meant to be... Uh, like it, they cut it, they say it's an English dictionary, and I think the idea is uh, it's especially useful maybe if you're learning English or just want to expand your vocabulary as well because they do things like word of the day. And I know even like I will look at word of the day and it's like oh words that I've never heard of before, and it's just a really good sort of okay. word discovery tool. So it takes it a little bit further than just a simple word definition um, because if that's all you're after, you'd probably be pretty sweet with the the built-in dictionary. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, look up just as a as a learning tool as well. I think it's quite handy, um, and and some right. of them are themed. Like I think this morning there was a um, like bauble, like a Christmas bauble. Um, so that's like sort of a good themed word mm -hmm. uh, based on the season. So there's um there's lots going on in look up beyond the dictionary itself. Um, okay, yeah, pretty good app. Cool. All right, Marlene. Yes. Um. One second. Cool. Um. So. My uh, my iPad app of the year uh, is let me just check Procreate. Nice. Yeah. So Procreate has been a really great app if you want to do um, like sketching uh, or anything. Like you can be like a professional artist using this. I'm not. I'm using it for sketching. I mean, technically, you are a professional uh, artist because we <sighs> did make money with things that you drew on an iPad, so that counts. I don't recall making the money. You made money off my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, uh, we used it for like app stuff, right? Yeah, we used it for app stuff, but mostly for like podcast artwork and those things. So our artwork is made in Procreate, but I'm also just thinking it's a cool app too. Like it, it's so easy. You can, it's a very advanced tool, but you can use it for very simple things and use it for like sketches and stuff like that. And I really like it. Um, and it keeps on getting better and better. All the like all the brushes. There's so many brushes available. You can customize all of them and like the thickness of them and the stroke of them. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really cool app. Um, and the team is from Australia, mm. from Hobart. Mm. Mm. Why don't we 
uh, point out all the Canadian apps. One password is Canadian. Transit is Canadian. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, I no, that... no, I feel like we, we need to point out everyone's country. <laughs> okay, let's stop with the countries. Let's just focus on the apps. But it's a, it's a great app. And I also, there, there are just certain things that are really nice, like the, I don't know what it's called, but like a rewind feature where you can see yeah, yeah. how someone drew something. So you often people would post something like that on Twitter where you see like the finished it, uh, artwork yeah. and then kind of the steps of how, how they got there. And you're like, I wish I could draw. <laughs> that is often Procreate. <laughs> Yeah, that can uh, export those kind of mm, those mm. kind of uh, video files. It's really nice. Yeah, I like it. Mm. Cool. Uh, what what's your pick, Kai? So I looked into this. I don't think I've actually used the iPad this year. So I'm I'm <laughs> like, I'm not the best person for this particular category. So I picked mini motorways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Which is the uh, the game that Zach mentioned. Uh, uh, Mini Metro was kind of was the kind of the the previous game in that kind of series. And Mini Motorway is you build a city and ruin it with streets <laughs> and motorways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the iPad is a really good platform for that because it's exactly like that if you're sitting in a boring lecture or the lecture might be even interesting but it's not very visually interesting and i'm a person that kind of likes to do something when i'm not engaged visually by something and being able to like play a game that requires a certain level of attention but not your full attention sometimes helps you focus on what's what's being talked about and i think uh, mini motor race is a really good game for that and it's just overall a well-designed game. If you do listen to, like, if you do have sound on it, it has nice sound effects. It's kind of relaxing in the beginning and then gets more intense. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and fun. the iPad is just a great, inf- for me, uh, the iPad is a great device for those kind of games because you got a bigger canvas to, to build your really screwed up city layout. <laughs> At least in my case. <laughs> Maybe you're using this wrong. <laughs> Still fun. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Watch us uh, app of the year. This one was harder for me, I think. Um, okay. Zach, what's your watch app as? Watch OS app of the year. Carrotweather. I mentioned it before. Uh, I really yeah, like the Carrotweather watch app. It's really good. This is the first uh, time we're 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 picking the same thing in the yeah. in the same category. Not bad. Um, Not game. Yeah, it's you just it's so good. Game. The convocations are great. Always up to date. Um, yes, you have to pay a bit for the, the constant updates and whether data access stuff, especially worth if you live it. in Australia. It's totally worth it. It's, it's one of those <laughs> things. I don't want a weather, I don't want to have to worry about the weather up. I don't have to, I don't want to have to worry about whether it's going to work. I don't want to have to worry about whether the data is accurate, whether it's updated, all that. And the watch app is just a really good sort of watch OS app. Um, very, very simple. It gives the forecast. It gives the current conditions. You can customize some of the data points. So one of the particular ones that I, or some of the particular ones I like, are like chance of rain and also the UV index at the current moment in time, as well as the feels like temperature, because that can often vary mm-hmm. from the real temperature. So it's just quite good. Um, yeah, that's my pick. It's it's such a good app, and I use it multiple times every day. And I also really like their rain forecast, as in notifications that will start to drizzle in seven minutes. I think they don't have that for Australia. Not in Australia. I have to use Rain Parrot for that. But mm. yeah, it's all right. But for an app that just does for- notifications, it's fine to have a second weather app on your yeah, home screen. Definitely. Like, sorry, not uh, hidden away on your home screen, because all you worry yeah. about is the notifications. It just sort of tracks yeah. your location in the background, then it's fine. Mm. But for me, I also use uh, Carrot for that. And usually on their watch, because that's what I always wear on my arm. It's kind of nice to see, all right, it's going to rain in, in seven minutes for 14 minutes. So you can, I mean, we're, we're, 
working from home, we can plan our outdoors trips around uh, how long it will drizzle for, <laughs> which is quite a thing that happens almost every day at the moment in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've had a non-rain day in the last two weeks or so. So it just becomes more rain? and more. Yeah. Uh, ship it across <laughs> in a big plane, dump it over our fires. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Good pick. Mm. Um, so my turn. Um, I am picking... Let me check. Oh, I don't know why I get names wrong all the time. Um, you could also pick, just leave the document open, considering that you know that your pick will come up mere seconds after after Zach's. But anyways, now when we're done mocking me, um, <laughs> my watchOS app of the year is AutoSleep, which okay. we mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, it's a sleep tracking app. Um, you just wear your watch while sleeping, and then you get a notification, or you can go into the app to see how well you slept, or how long and how long you slept for during the last night. Um, I haven't been using it that much recently. I found that the Apple Watch makes... like Sometimes I notice when I'm wearing the Apple Watch, I think it's just not comfortable enough for me to wear every night. So if I don't need to wear it, I'm often not wearing it during the night. Um, but if you need to have an alarm anyways, and you want to use your Apple Watch while sleeping to be woken up by an Apple Watch alarm... Um, it's perfect to also track your sleep when you're on that. Um, they do also have a... Um, you can also use auto sleep and track um, your sleep pattern without wearing a watch um, by just detect... And then it uses some other ways of detecting it. Um, so you can have the phone app installed separately uh, without having a watch. Um, and that's... I think that works quite well as well. Uh, but yeah, I've also been using the Apple Watch app and I really like it. Yeah, I think really? if you don't wear the watch... Um, all it's doing is looking at how long you didn't touch your phone for, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which it's handy to know time, but it doesn't give you any insight about like quality of sleep, um, which mm. is, like, I think, one of the main advantages of using the watch app. Yeah. yeah. I actually use it mostly with the phone because I don't want to wear my watch while sleeping. Do you find it to be uncomfortable as well? Wearing the watch while sleeping? Yeah. I don't know. I just I don't want to hit it into a wall or... What are you doing when you're sleeping? Well, I'm sleeping very actively. I would know more about what I do while I sleep yeah. if I would wear that yeah. watch, but I don't. So I can't, you know, the cycle of not knowing what's going on. Mm. Um, I just don't don't really... I know, I felt like when I did wear a sleep tracker, it was before, before it was as possible on the watch. I used a dedicated, uh, I think it was, I don't remember what the device was called, um, for sleep tracking in particular. And I don't know, I don't really want it to have something that tells me, hey, you should be tired right now. No, it's not about telling me when I'm tired. No, but sometimes it does, right? It tells you, hey, your sleep quality was terrible and you feel more tired than you did before. That's true. Sometimes I don't look because I know my night was terrible, Mm. but I don't want to know exactly how bad I slept. Mm. And my my goals are more about being more consistent and having a good amount of sleep. Not that I'm particularly successful at that, (laughs) but that is what I'm at least trying to improve because i feel like yeah. realistically sleep quality is not a lot i can do it's interesting and i would do it sometimes out of interest but there's not there's no action like you know going to bed thinking i should sleep better will, will have the inverse effect mm-hmm. so i just trying to optimize time like spend in bed and and time 
consistency when going too bad because i feel like that's something i can have an impact on and realistically on average that will improve my sleep quality mm. but even for that all the sleep is really good because it's very you see at uh, least how long you slept for but it also forces me a little bit more to not touch my phone yeah. when going too bad yeah because you know it's it's quite an easy habit if you have your phone next to bed to just uh read twitter or reddit for another way too long when when you're in bed and this kind of makes it just a lot more like it's it's the it's the pattern you go to bed you put your phone away because now you're tracking your bedtime which i think is quite nice all right um since you already said carrot weather kai mm-hmm. i think we should move on to i back can mention my runner-up which is transit which i already picked in my lifestyle category Okay, that was valuable input, thank you. <laughs> um, so, Mac app of the year. Zach, what's your pick? Tower. I don't think we yeah. need to talk about it anymore. But yeah, Tower is my Mac app of the year. In and out of it all day, it's great. Um, I enjoy using it as well, which is kind of essential for this list. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Nice. My pick for the macOS app uh, is um, Affinity Designer, which is a vector graphics design tool. Um, I, again, use this for a lot of things. Um, I'm using it for things like, uh, icon, like icon design and app logo design and all those type of things. The last thing I designed was the, um, the logo for, um, our time tracking app. And yeah, it works really nice for that. And it's, it's a great tool. Um, yeah, great design tool. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. I actually struggle with this one. Because if it's if we exclude newcomer, all of a sudden we have so, so many. many good apps. Yeah, I know. Because the Mac has a lot of really high quality apps. They're yeah. not necessarily new, uh, but there are a lot of really yeah, good ones. Yeah, so many like um, I guess Pro Tools you can mm. call them. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I I will pick something that's more thematic around this year. So I pick Audio Hijack, just because it's mm-hmm. something we use uh, at least uh once every week it is quite a nice it enables us to do the kind of podcast recording flows that we're doing at the moment uh, a lot easier than like a lot of people use a lot of hardware and hardware is usually expensive to to get a um like a recording setup going as we have right now just that we paint i don't know what it was 60 bucks 70 bucks for software rather than having to have a whole bunch of hardware st- sitting around so I, I i just really like it for that the interface is really nice i do have a whole bunch of different sessions now configured for like different recording setups for if mal and i record something uh, uh by ourselves if we have a remote person uh Malin recorded uh, another podcast uh with audio hijack and it's it's so nice and so quick to to put a session together for exactly what you need looping the audio through where it should go uh uh piping through the the microphone sound to certain certain output devices and not others and it just works really nice and i think that is something that's so powerful on the mac Especially with audio, right? iOS is still so early when it comes to anything that's related to to custom audio routes. <laughs> it's almost impossible. And it's like the Mac is really good at that. And that's why I thought it kind of fits the, the Mac app of the year because it's kind of showing quintessentially what a Mac is able to do and why, why it's such an important platform for, for computing and for, for creating things, whatever it might be. Hmm, awesome. Hmm. Runners up, transit and power <laughs> and map tracker and paw. I have a lot of runners. I, I could basically go through my dock from right to left uh, with my runners up because there's so many really good Mac apps. 
But that's not what we're doing today. <laughs> Sorry. So we're moving on. Yeah. iOS app of the year. This is a this is a big category. iOS app of the year. It's it's a, there's a lot of them. So this could be a hard one. The one one and only iOS app uh, of the year for you. There's a bit of a, a trend going on at the moment with uh, things I'm going to pick having already been picked, um, and it's auto sleep. So okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk about the app itself because we've covered that extensively. Um, but I just really <laughs> like, like, it's just that kind of app that I'm using. I use once a day, um, sends push notifications. It does its job. Never really have to think about it. It always just sits there in the background doing its thing. Uh, and I like using it and I'm glad that it exists. Um, I've specifically chosen it as the iOS app of the year because although the motion recording and the heart rate and stuff like all comes from the apple watch really the the main way to interface with auto sleep is on the iphone so to me it's mostly an uh an ios app um and it's quite a good ios app so yeah that's my pick again another nice. australian app i just have to get that in there <laughs> indie too uh, that's great. cool all right so my iOS app of the year is uh, something I've been mentioning before on this podcast um, that I used to use a lot. Um, it's the app called Things. Um, okay, nice. Which is, uh, I'm picking the iOS app. Uh, the Mac app is also great, but I just feel like the iOS app is so simply designed, very clearly laid out. It's a really nice looking app, and that's why I feel like I don't, I didn't want to put it on the utility because I feel like it's actually like a, like the app itself fulfills a really good functionality but it's also a really nice looking app so uh, i felt like it will be the ios app of the year um yeah i i think it's great it's a to-do list um app pretty a pretty excessive to-do list app like pretty advanced app um and you can add things like subtasks and things like notes um to some extent and have like different projects set up in it um so yeah i i think i think it's working really really great um that's that's my pick. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I I really like their design language, and I feel like they they nailed just to have the right amount of customization to normal uh, iOS patterns. Mm-hmm. They did they did do some things that are not you know just yeah. standard UI co- yeah. components, but it fits so well yeah. together. Yeah. and I think that's I I really appreciate that. Yeah, I yeah. I haven't had to use it as much since we started doing our own things. Just because now we have more shared to do lists, mm. it would be great if they have some type of shared to do list as well. Uh, that would be great. Uh, just a wish list item, but the app itself is good as it is right now. Mm. Mm. So for me, iOS app was was a bit difficult because there's so many apps that I'm using. Mm-hmm. So I kind of looked through my, you know, going to settings, go to battery, look what I used the most uh, to kind of help me decide between the apps that I kind of shortlisted. And uh, my iOS app of the year 2019 is Overcast. Oh, Not because it's particularly nice. a new app. It's it's just something that's been on iOS for a very long time. It's continuously getting better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an app that I use a lot. I do listen to podcasts. Probably less this year than, than the previous few years, but still... Every day, whenever I'm I'm walking somewhere, whenever I'm by myself, I listen to podcasts because mm. that's my preferred form of entertainment that leaves me to also do other things simultaneously. Um, and Overcast is is again similar to what Zach mentioned. It's something that doesn't go doesn't get in your way. It plays your podcast. It doesn't try to be too clever with the, the UI. Um, 
also an app where like there's so many podcast players now on iOS. So there's a specific flavor for almost every taste and every preference you might have. But Overcast has just been reliable. I've been using it for for years. I'm I'm happy with it. Never never gets in the way of me listening to podcasts. I have my lists that bring up the things that I want to listen to most likely uh, to 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 the top. And yeah, then it plays podcast, which is kind of what you want. So yeah, my iOS app of the year, Overcast. Cool. Awesome. Just, just, okay, you've mentioned Overcast and so this whole other can of worms. I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait for all the inevitable app updates that happen in the first couple of months of the year that uh, like are given the version number 2020.1, 2020.2, 2020.3. What does it mean? I'm so annoyed at this still. And I was thinking about it this morning, like we're getting into 2020, but it's so meaningless. Like the version number conveys nothing. All it tells me is that you've updated the app recently if I see 2020, but I can like get that by looking at the app store. It goes, oh, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. anyway, I'm, this is another, like we've spoken about it before. It's another thing that frustrates me in this world you know how there are fads in diets i feel like yeah. there's also fads in software development <sighs> now it's, it's so like stupid. at the moment it's a cool thing to not not have is this a cool thing versioning. is this something many people do it I seems it was to be kind of way for, at the moment of a in, lot of in people the iOS apps doing this it's it frustrates me it's so meaningless you're almost yeah, better feel- off just doing one, two, three, four, five. Like, that's also meaningless. Yeah. Um, it's a more web development approach. But, like, we don't iterate. Like, the ma- like the fact is we don't deploy daily or we don't deploy hourly like a lot of web mm-hmm. sites do. So, version numbers are still meaningful on iOS. Like, most apps yeah. are going to update once a month. Even if you're updating weekly, there's still significance behind those releases. Yeah, mm. it definitely has an indication of what is, like, how many things are in the update. And it's, uh, yeah. And I feel like if you want to do the completely meaningless uh, updates, like, say, look at a Facebook or something like that, where it's just, we don't know what's really made it into this app. Everything's an <laughs> yeah. A-B test anyway. Then don't use a version number that tries to convey meaning. Because... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just just do the one two three thing or the one point one one point two one point like just do something that is sequential. None of the like this twenty twenty stuff. Like it feels like you're trying to convey meaning in a version number that actually turns out to be meaningless. I I don't yeah. understand it. And it's uh, also like sometimes like I mean I understand most people have auto updates on and maybe no one will see it. But realistically, for for most of the apps we're talking about, we still know is this is this a bug fix update? Did we add a feature or is this a significant change to to the app architecture and mm-hmm. what's happening, right? So I feel like there is not a lot of mental overhead to figure out is this a point one, a point zero one, or a major update. So I don't really see the benefit of om- omitting that. Um, at the same time, for user, I mean, I do not have automatic updates on it. I kind of like to see, all right, what's new every day. Um, and... Depending on how big that version jump is, I'm I'm more or less excited about trying it out, right? If there's a, you know, like if if it's a bug fix update, I won't open the app. But if I see like I don't know one of the apps I use a lot jump to a next major version, I'm super excited. I open it directly and see what changed. You know, it it's just I I, I don't feel. I don't see what problem that's solving. And to me, that feels like a fad in software development that was probably, as you said, influenced by by the kind of web development we deploy all the time. And the we're, we're having A, B, C, D tests in every single build and we don't know what's happening. But especially indie developers mm-hmm. have the benefit of knowing what's happening. I really hope they, they do. <laughs> so I, I feel like 
it's it's almost the wrong group of people adopted that while they are still Some of the ones that are uniquely uh, in a situation where they know exactly, potentially every single line that has changed yeah, since last yeah. last version. And I hope that is something that we're moving back to because I do enjoy reading release notes. But I'm also weird, I mean, you right? can still I'd read like, release notes, but you mean you, like, you like, like to have an indication of what it will be. Yeah, it's just, it's like a glance about, like short release notes. And that's another thing we can talk about, how release notes sometimes become like uh, elaborate short stories. Um But just having a version number just indicates, all right, how big is this? You know, without having to read anything. It's just a really glanceable mm. way of seeing how big of a change is that. And maybe even some people look at that and say, you know what, I'm not up for a major update right now. And then they mm -hmm. might not update to a major version before their commute, right? You might want to hold off on those. Mm. Understand that that's a shrinking market. Most people have auto updates on. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see enough positive coming out of or enough saving of mental load to not think about mm -hmm. you know you still write show notes uh, you still write release notes you still yeah. write what's in there yeah so that, people that alone can i could i could pick a lot of those apps version numbers for them from yeah. reading their release notes. but i think I we are really also people who really really appreciate good release notes mm. yes i think this just goes hand in hand yeah. with that but it's like the, the same people who write good release notes and then have a meaningless yeah, version number. i just yeah. i don't see the benefit i do like I do see a benefit of semantic versioning. I do not see a benefit of writing the dates plus uh, yeah. meaningless because the second part isn't even like the the month, right? It's just how the how many release of this year was it? I I don't see oh, really? how that helps anyone. Oh, yeah, I was interested. I've seen twenty nineteen. Sorry, if you had a, like a specific date, if it was twenty twenty dot one dot three, and that's the day you release, or that's the date you submitted, that's a little bit better. It has some yeah, meaning. It gives it at least a little bit yeah. of meaning. I agree. But like going from 2020.6 to 2020.7 could be a yeah. tiny one-line bug fix, or it could be a completely new overhaul, new UI, like, I don't know, a million new features. Like, how are you to know? Uh, it's yeah. just frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, so cool. let's pick our <laughs> Sorry Apple for my little rant. I just had to get that in there before <laughs> the new year. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if if you happen to version your your app with meaningless numbers, New Year's resolution. Not a fan of New Year's resolutions, but maybe make a New Year's resolution to put meaning back into numbers. Cool. Mm. How many apps are going to update in January with twenty twenty dot one? Like, yeah, every, everyone's going to have the same version number now. Like, is it not yeah. enough that they all look the same with SwiftUI? <laughs> <laughs> all right apple hardware of the year <laughs> zag what is i i feel like i i can predict can predict that i yeah. when i put that in there i almost knew exactly mm -hmm. what you're going to pick but go ahead and pick them okay so runner-up is iphone 11 pro um mm -hmm. i really really like the iphone 11 pro it is great but cannot go past the airpods pro for apple hardware shocking uh, so shocking so shocking um, they're really good. Noise cancelling's great in the, like, such a tiny little sort of rectangular white thing. It's great. Like, I don't know. It's just so convenient to be able to carry noise cancelling headphones in your pocket. Um, they sound really good. Yes, they are expensive, but as Every somebody time you open the case, however, your, your sound breaks out. Ooh. So, that is still number one <laughs> downside of those AirPods. <laughs> I mean, that happened with the original AirPods, to be fair. But, I know. Uh, yeah. So, Okay. I will not open the case while I'm fiddling and talking about these things. <laughs> But yeah, I really like the AirPods Pro. They're great. They're new. Um, they're my go-to daily headphones. Um, they're, they're fantastic. I only, yeah, like, they're great. Um, it's got to be, got to be the Apple hardware of the year. 
Mm. How about you, Mullen? Um, yeah, I also had the iPhone 11 as a runner-up. Uh, sorry, iPhone 11 Pro as a runner-up. Um, and I also really like my headphones, even if they're not no- noise-canceling. I really like the AirPods. Um, but I have to... I think my pick is the Apple Watch. Um, oh, yeah. I just think... Is it the always-on screen? Well, partly that, but I also think I have just been using it a lot more this year than I have in previous years. And this sounds a bit... Uh, the color shouldn't matter for the watch. Like It's <laughs> still about the hardware. But I picked a um, rose gold watch this year with a band that was fitting really nicely. And it made me a bit happier to use it. Before, it felt more like a tech product, like sort of stripped, like strapped to my arm. And it felt a bit clunky. But this one with this band fits really nicely. Especially in combination with your band made it yeah. really nice. I think the first one you, you picked up in the store wasn't quite as nice. Yeah. But yeah. the dark band with the rose gold uh, um, case makes it look yeah. really nice together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just changed to be... This version just... Probably because of my purchase decisions, it changed it to be more of a neat thing to look at. I think, and I think it looks it looks much nicer. It's not there are not no significant improvements compared to the previous generation, uh, but I do also use this a lot more because I've been trying to be a lot more active this year. I've been trying to go for more run and runs and workout, and the always on display are real is really good for that. Um, and yeah, it's it's just sort of. Sh- uh, I have just had a change in how I'm using it, and I'm quite happy about how it fits in now. One one nitpick mm-hmm. about that: the always on display. I I totally agree; it's really nice. But sometimes when working out, you do something like planking, so you yeah. set a timer for what however long you plank, like uh-huh. five minutes. Yeah, um, and, and you don't use the sport the workout app for the timer. You right? have a workout running. But you also set a set a timer, yeah. and then the app goes into the the silly mode where it just shows you the time. I know. Like, there I know. is like there's it's, thirty seconds left in a timer. Just show me the yeah. timer somewhere because that's in what general, I care about. Yeah, in general, I wish the timer would be one of those apps that are classified as an always on app because I think you would want at to least see it during the end of the timer, right? If you set a three hour yeah. timer, I can see that you don't want to have it. Yeah. But during the like, especially if it's set a two minute timer. Mm-hmm. You you probably care about it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially while running a workout. So I, I feel like those there is still a little mm. bit of potential to make better use of that. But overall, I agree. Mm. But I even think the always on display makes it a nicer object to look at because sometimes yeah. you just yeah, like yeah, to look at nice yeah. things, right? And if you glance down and the the square actually mm. has something on it rather than yeah. just being black, it makes yeah. it look a bit less like a dead object and more like a yeah. nice object. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It looks Maybe. more like a real watch. Mm. Yeah. All right. So my my Apple Hub of the year is mm-hmm. also AirPods second generation because I do okay. actually think there are significant updates to the first generation. Almost all the issues I've had with the first generation AirPods are resolved. Can't believe they were this year though. <laughs> like Where did they come out this yeah. year? Yeah, they did. It's amazing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh yeah, so the intermittent battery issues or connection issues I had with the previous model they're all gone no longer having the problem that i put one in and then the other and only i only get one to to mm-hmm. uh to actually properly connect so all the issues i've had with the generation one are are gone i do like the um siri announcements for text messages and and calls and being able to respond to those that is such a quality of life improvement when you're like having your hands full of something and you can you're able to respond without doing anything mm. um and like overall it's just the the first generation airports were already great and the second generation just made everything slightly yeah. better for me yeah like i said it was a close runner-up but 
and I'm glad you picked it. Mm. For me, the runner-up is actually the iMac, <laughs> more because I like like that device a lot. Um, and they also released one uh, this year. And I hope Apple will release another iMac next year because I think we'll, we might be in the market for for new iMac. Hmm. All or right, iMacs. Cool. cool. All right. Okay, let's continue. The only non-Apple part of this uh, award show is the non-Apple hardware of the year. All right, Zach, do you want to start with your non-Apple hardware of the year? Okay. Um, I can do that. <laughs> uh, it's I didn't buy a lot of new hardware this year, but I do have a pick. It's okay. I'm not. This is not me. Um, fishing for time. Uh. It's a honorable mention. I stand by the Kindle that I've had for probably like five or six years now is amongst mm-hmm. the best technology that isn't Apple that I own. Uh, I love using right. it. Um, if we were talking in more recent times, probably the Bose QC35s. Um, they're also great. But, but they're kind of superseded by, by your Apple hardware. That is true. Right? Exactly. So, my pick, and I just have to, like, look around my desk to get the name of it. It's a digital TV tuner. <laughs> I thought you would pick a random, random object. plus FM plus DAB. Um, and I've spoken about it before, but I use it uh, for um, picking up signals from airplanes that are going overhead oh. and then feeding that data back into sites such as plane finder and flight radar, which are a couple of the common ones that track, uh, flight history and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all it is is a, a digital TV tuner with a fancy antenna, uh, yep. for picking up that signal. But yeah, I, I bought it this year. It was like $45 or something. Um, and whenever I'm at my desk and my laptop's plugged into my monitor, it is feeding this data back out to the, um, to the internet um so like real-time plane data um and it's a pretty cool piece of hardware like it's super nerdy um and, and i love it like it's it's just so much fun to play around <laughs> really? with to see the raw data coming out of it um <laughs> it, it, it serves no practical purpose i mean actually it kind of does like when you aggregate all this information you get mm. cool apps like plane finder and websites and things like that but nice. um i am well aware that my individual contributions are, are almost meaningless but it is still a cool piece of technology mm. to play around with yeah, nice. um if you're stuck somewhere with no internet and you can you can still plug it in and see everything like it's just this like really cool bit of technology that when i use it and when it works i get a little bit excited um mm. and it is it is technology hardware so mm. here we go yeah cool all right. Shocking. A a slightly nerdy pick on Cup of Tech. Whoa. Who'd have thought? <laughs> it's been all nerdy right, today. Like the vapor stuff. Is, uh, we're full of it. I it's know. great. On a roll. Way to round out the year. <laughs> so, Marlin, mm. what is your non-Apple hardware of the year? All right. My non-Apple hardware of the year is the Oculus Quest. Oh, nice. That's yeah. my runner-up. Hmm. It is a VR headset. Um, what I really like about this is that it's so accessible you don't need a separate gaming pc to play uh the ar games that you can sorry the vr games that you can play with the oculus and there are quite a quite a few um games available as well i've been enjoying playing it and it just feels like such a different way of gaming and i found that to be really interesting uh that it is so much more accessible now but you can still play real games because you you have had those like active yeah yeah like there's actually a what is it called uh the gaming category in the apple watch as an exercise yeah Yeah. yes many of the games are really really active and quite exhausting to play um 
and I found that the controls work surprisingly well as well as in terms of like how it tracks. Some motions feel a bit awkward. Like gloves would definitely feel better, I think, and more natural. But I found that like having two separate controllers, like two separate joysticks, it makes it seem surprisingly realistic when you're playing the game, I think. Yeah, and because they have the full tracking of where your hands are in space, right? It just allows you to do so many things like grabbing items in three space that you can't otherwise, throwing items, uh, uh, you know, dodging things because the headset Mm. knows where your head is. And it sees your hands, know, so it knows where your hands are. So yeah. those are kind of the most important things in most video games. Mm. So it's it's quite yeah. good yeah. and super exhausting. There's so many games that force you. You're kind of doing like squats and 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 I other know. type of activities. And you don't I know. Really notice it after when the like, when the adrenaline is. Yeah, like you were filming me when I was playing super hot, and like I didn't realize I was like squatting <laughs> all the time, but I was like standing like a pelican, like on one leg at one point, and like I don't know. Yeah, I totally just, looked like, really... as, as majestic as a pelican. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, sometimes I even like had to like throw myself to the ground because uh, otherwise I would have been hit <laughs> by bullets. And it actually is like I found it surprising that it actually sort of determined, like it sort of has an estimation of where your body mm-hmm. is as well yeah yeah you can move, um, you can like, walk I around i can sort of touch a bit with my yeah i know i know but it's like i can if a bullet comes on my right side i can dodge 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 it a bit and i'm still able to dodge it but if i'm like getting hit straight up on it will actually detect that i was shot mm. so yeah cool. it's a cool game my mm. so the non-apple hardware category for me was actually quite uh contested so i was sitting here thinking there's there so many nice additions to to my life in non-Apple hardware. I'm, I'm very happy with a new mouse that I acquired recently. I might talk about that later because I didn't make the top hardware. And um, I, I'm really happy with my iMac stand and other other products that I bought. And as I sit here thinking about what I should pick, a vacuum cleaner uh, drives into the room and cleans <laughs> the room for me. I was like, all right, vacuum cleaner, pick up the year. So uh, the vacuum cleaner, the Roborock Essex, I mentioned it before, and I'll probably mention it a few more times, uh, is uh, a recent addition into our household, and it's amazing. It's a machine that makes everything clean. Uh, it's like a dishwasher <laughs> for your entire apartment. It's great. Uh, and unless you're okay. you're a weirdo who likes vacuum cleaning or mopping, uh, I, I think everyone... <laughs> I mean, if that's your thing, no, no offense, but no I'm judgment. not judging you yeah. on your on your hobbies. But if that's not your thing, a vacuum cleaning robot just makes those kind of things go away. It's like you throw a little bit of money at a problem and it just goes away forever. And that's just a really nice... No, it's it's also like, imagine the amount of time you're saving from not yeah, vacuum cleaning. Yeah, and the frequency of cleaning that you wouldn't do... Like, yeah. we run this vacuum cleaner every day and it always cleans because mm-hmm. it has this kind of... It figures out where rooms are. It cleans after us as we move through our lives so it always cleans the rooms we're not in <laughs> which is kind of nice you're just going away in, in a specific room cleans the other rooms it's just kind of nice and it just does it for you you don't have to mm. worry about it and you just empty the, the, the dustbin uh, every other day because it collects a surprising amount of dust which makes a question why not uh, everyone has a vacuum cleaner <laughs> <laughs> vacuum cleaner robot <laughs> or vacuum cleaner I don't know I don't know what people do but it's really cool, uh, and it's a cool, <laughs> yeah. cool piece of technology too, because it has the the radar on top, similar like a um, 
LiDAR. LiDAR is the word I was looking for. LiDAR. So it maps out your room, figures out where to go, doesn't bump into stuff. It's super smart at adjusting. Like if you if your room layout changes or you add a new new thing in your... Let's say you have a big Amazon box in your apartment all of a sudden. What can a happen example. every now and then. It, no, it sees it and it doesn't run right into it. So it's kind of cool. You move your chairs and those kind of things and adjust it just to it. If you're moving it around, it figures out where, where you left it and where you dropped it and, and just goes back and does the cleaning. It's really nice. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool, cool hardware cool. product. Cool. Yeah. Good pick. That concludes our things of the year 2019. Look at us finishing in less things. than two hours yeah. for the final episode of the year. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, so that starts the segment of uh, things of the decade. <laughs> uh, no. Moving no, right along. <laughs> A lot of it we yeah, don't want to remember. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was overall. Right. I, I don't really think in your your uh, yeah, kind of segments. Yeah. So it's always hard because I feel like, oh, I like this thing. And then I have to go and look yeah. if, if it was you... something that came out in 2019 because it's such an arbitrary mm. part of slicing years or, or time yeah, in general. Or, or, or lives. Yeah. This this type of segment doesn't really suit us considering that that we tend to not do like New Year's resolutions. We don't really care about like counting years in that, in that way. But it's fun to always have... This was a good time to actually reflect over things that came out the last year and... It's always fun to talk about tech. And it's a good way of kind of, you know, it is, as we, we talked about that there are so many very specific apps for everything now, it is sometimes harder to to be found, even if it's something that might be great, because there's just so much for everything. And I think it mm-hmm. is good to have those opportunities. And I mean, we're by, by uh, no means the only podcast doing that, right? It's like basically every, if, if you're... If you want to call yourself a podcaster, you have to do an end-of-the-year episode where you pick all the things. And I think that is a good opportunity. And I mean, Apple does the same thing to, to point out some app developers who should maybe get yeah. more more uh, attention than they do. Or the ones who do already get attention, deservedly so, get some more. And I think that's fair too, right? If, if you do good work and people uh, can promote that, that's, that's ni- one of the nice things about the Apple ecosystem that I really appreciate that people care and then promote things that other people who do care made awesome mm. well said cool we should get some food yeah. food of the year so <laughs> um uh, talk to you next year yeah, like, have a good new year uh, happy new year you too yeah thank you cool well that was an abrupt finish to this episode it's always an abrupt Why? finish that's yeah, well, what do you mean yeah I liked all of your picks, though. They were yeah, they were very good. good picks. It was, it was fun. And I'm surprised that we had not too many clashes. We had yeah. What the Goals, yeah, one yeah. and me. We had Carrot, Carrot Zach and me. Yeah, there were a few. But then there was some Carrot. across yeah. Carrot as well. Auto Sleep. Yeah, that's, that's true. Auto Sleep. They're good apps. They're, there's a reason mm. that they overlap. So that's mm. fine. But also, different categories have different values attached to them, right? Yeah. Like if, if something is Marlin's. Uh, uh, it's your iOS app of the year. Marlon picked it as a as a, in a di- different category for a reason. So even yes. the reasoning why Auto Sleep is your app of the year, Marlon's what do you say? Watch of the year? Watch app of the year? For Mar- yeah. yeah, for Marlon was watch. I think yes. even that is interesting. It was iOS. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there was a reason that like the apps got put in the categories they did. So it's good. Mm. Mm. Cool. Good job. Yeah, All right, good job. I stopped yeah. the recording. All right, same. Cool.